Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I think non-fictional Jesses speak in inside jokes with themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, there's yes. always that guy, and you're like, what the mm-hmm. fuck are you talking about? Welcome to Talking Ship Podcast. We discuss the best and sometimes worst of TV couples. Why they work. Listen to Lizzo, Pam. Come on. Why they don't. I just don't think they belong together. And how we relate. I don't think Issa deserves him. That's the moment that you see that David is in love with Patrick. I must talk about Seth and Summer. You may be in a Logan and Veronica situation if I just like felt like yelling at the screen. Yes! Let's talk ship. Ready? Five, six, seven, eight. Or should I say, la, 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 And welcome back, everybody, to Talking Ship, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. And for most of the Believe Podcast Network, for those who don't know, it's mostly a sports podcast network. For So for many of the rest of the network, it is football season. Uh, for many others, it is spooky season. But here at Talking Ship, we know that October is none other, could be nothing else, but Gilmore Girls rewatch season. And so, in honor of that, we are back at our roots at Talking Ship in Stars Hollow, Connecticut. Finally, finally getting around to talking in detail about Rory and Jess. And we will be breaking this into two episodes because Jess is a man of few words, but as we've proved recently, we are women like Rory and Lorelai. We are women of many words. Um, So today, as Lorelai once said, is episode one of Rory and Jess, the early years. And to take the bus back to Stars Hollow with me, there could be nobody else. Katie Butterwitz is here to (laughs) co-host. Thank you so much. I mean, who else is going to be after that intro? <laughs> after those la-las. Um, after those la-las. I know, I'm trying to think, actually, fun, just TV story about this. But, like, Grant Lee Phillips, who plays the troubadour, or the original troubadour on <laughs> Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. um, had a song that played in an iconic scene on Smallville. Mm-hmm. And I had this, like, big, epic Smallville playlist at the time. And so when I first made the connection that it was the same person, I was like, oh, my God, like oh my the WB God. has such good taste. <laughs> and nothing speaks to their taste more than the iconic Lala's. No. A precursor I think that the, the Gilmore Girls Lala's walked so that the Hannah Montana ooze could run. You know what? We might have made this exact joke before. Probably. It's still true. In our Luke and Lorelai season. Oh, which brings us to, you all, we are talking, you guys, we are talking Gilmore Girls today. And for those who are new listeners, we started this podcast with a full six episode season on Luke and Lorelai. So if you are really feeling your your Gilmore Girls rewatch, you can go back and check those uh, out. But we had to bring it back because it's fall and Gilmore Girls is our comfort show. And it is the show that kind of compelled me to start a podcast. So we're just going to kick it off with kind of our two minute thoughts about this show, because clearly it is so deeply ingrained in us that we have even the jokes we made about make about this show are ingrained (laughs) in us. Just so much of the show, like the beats, lime readings, even 
tempos that occur in Gilmore Girls, like the pace of exchanges mm-hmm. are deep, so deeply embedded in, in my blood that like 99% of the time I'll be if I'm like, what is that from? It is yeah. almost always Gilmore Girls. Yeah. I mean, we were just texting about this, but there were so many, even just from the early, early episodes. And I'm like, I must mm-hmm. have watched those for the first time a million years ago. And mm-hmm. I was watching them and I was just like off book. I just, yep. speaking of which, how is that a speaking of which, like, which. will live in my brain forever? Mm-hmm. Or Richard going, apparently, I am an autumn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm excited to come back to it today because I think the the fall rewatch, I think, is universal for a lot of people because, A, I think the fall plots are some of the best and Stars Hollow looks very good in leaves. And, or, or should I say Burbank, California looks very good in leaves. <laughs> Uh, But I also think fall is a big time of change for a lot of people. And I think there is something about like the known and the security and the comfort of a Gilmore Girls rewatch in the fall that speaks to a lot of people. So I was excited to rewatch it again. And I'm excited to talk about Rory and Jess. Uh, Not so much because I relate to them personally, because I truly don't at all, but because I think these are some of the show's best episodes. We have like the Bracebridge dinner in there, Suki's wedding, the whole Dave Rogowski plot line, applying to college, lazy, crazy, t- lazy, crazy, hazy <laughs> days of summer. And in the backdrop of all of these episodes is the Rory Dean Jess triangle. I, it's just, I think it's the show at its best. Yeah, mental note, we gotta get the lazy, hazy, crazy days on our Spotify playlist. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a real song, but if we can find it, I'd love to. (laughs) It's up there. Let us know. Um, Yeah, this, okay, this might be a surprise to the people who are listening, but when we record these, Megan and I do have like general notes that we try to follow. Might come as a shock Mm -hmm. to you because we get so (laughs) derailed so easily, but it made me think of something funny because in our notes, a lot of times she is abbreviated to just write GG Mm -hmm. and it made me think of a TikTok I made a couple months ago because I used to have this theory. And it's since been a little bit debunked, but I used to have a theory that there's there were two types of TV watchers. And so it would be like, oh, if I said, oh, I'm going to go watch GG. Okay, did you just think Gilmore Girls or did you just think Gossip Girl? And I was like, okay, what do you think? Like, what are, you know, where do you fall? Blah, blah, blah. And I didn't realize that I had performed such Golden Girls erasure And all of the Golden Girls TikTok community (laughs) came for me and they were like, what about Golden Mm -hmm. Girls? And I was like, I'm so sorry. So clearly this show is just in a lineage of strong, Mm -hmm. badass women of shows that are GG. So I just had to throw that in there because I was Mm -hmm. like, listen, I will never forget Golden Girls again as long as I live. Um, Yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've definitely said verbatim this. You know, this show just feels like home. I mean... I recently just started my sort of seasonal rewatch and I just instantly feel like I am in middle school watching ABC family when I should be doing my homework, how they would play it in like the early Mm -hmm. evening. It's just Mm -hmm. a very specific. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We've all seen that throwback photo of me watching it when I should have been doing my homework. So uh, Mm -hmm. it really does feel like hitting the reset button on your life for just a moment and coming home. Um, you know, it's obviously not exactly the same, but I do also, I definitely think I've said this too. I do have a somewhat similar, like three generational 
grandmother, Mm -hmm. mother, daughter dynamic in my family and watching it back. I really do just see myself in a lot of it. So it is very fun to see that. Uh, Not the least of which is Rory's school uniform, which looked um, so much like mine, except it really did. I know. Yeah. You've worn it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, her, their blazers were like cropped and mine was always really long. And I was jealous of that because the crop is like kind of cute. Um, although she had her yellow backpack, which I would never, so sorry, Rora. Um, so I do get to live actually a little vicariously through her because I didn't really date in high school. So it's Mm -hmm. always nice for me to watch her high school storylines and like see someone who was, you know, this excellent student and wonderful daughter and friend, and she gets to explore and sow her wild oats and be romantic and adventurous mm-hmm. in all the ways that we may agree with and some that we may not, which we'll get into. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Rory makes a lot of questionable decisions, the yellow backpack maybe being the biggest of which. It's terrible. But... <laughs> what was, thing? was it that, like, there weren't a lot of stores in Stars Hollow? Like, I think about it when they went shopping at Dosey's Market for her school supplies, and right. that was, like, yellow legal pads and purple legal pads and there's like one aisle and I was like wow you really don't have a lot of there's no staples in Stars Hollow yeah you feel like Andrew could have been selling some cuter stuff at the stationery store you know what I mean he would have made some money um I mean I think maybe it was just like look how naive Rory is she has no sense of style or fashion she's gonna wear this yellow ass backpack but I see what you mean in that like she she was as we've said we had high school valedictorian energy and so it was nice to see an overachiever get to be romantic and i would argue that it is actually the jess relationship that push that pushes her experience Mm -hmm. a bit more and so let's start to get into it we are talking rory and jess today and maybe a little bit of dean and kind of focusing on the big Rory Jess topic. As Lorelai says, I think she's 17 and it's about time for a Jess in her life. We're talking about falling for your first bad boy <laughs> and maybe breaking that down and what that really means and what mm-hmm. that looked like for Rory, what that looks like for all of us that crave attention from aloof, misunderstood, well-read men. Yeah, and- we can just go ahead and add this into our running list of co-stars who've dated. So, Which you can tell, man. You can you tell can some tell. of those kisses. It's so charged. Ooh, her, like, the her, Rory's kissing ability increases tenfold between the three weeks between Dean and Jess. Yeah. It's wild. It's also just so funny while we're on the topic of Rory and her choices. Alexis Liddell was so new to acting when the show started. And, like, you can uh-huh. just see her get better as the show goes on and on. But mm-hmm. it's so funny early on, like, when she does make just, like, a big, strong choice. I'm always like, oh my God, like it stands out. And I feel Mm -hmm. like you start to see that more and more when Milo shows up and just like, you can tell they have fun acting opposite of each other. But early on, like I thought about, this is in season one, so this is pre-Jess. But like when she has that like hissy fit in the classroom when they don't let her take the test, she mm-hmm. she goes to Paris and she's like, what about you? Nothing to say, quippy. And I'm like, oh my God, oh like my it's God. just the most point of view we've seen her have to date. And mm-hmm. it's just remarkable. But so, I mean- something to be said for her arc so let's get into it before well yeah and I think Jess Jess gives her more point of view not to spoil my ending (laughs) um okay but let's get into relatable content it me you may be in a Rory and Jess situation if you're falling for somebody that literally nobody in your life approves of Mm -hmm. you may be in a Rory and Jess situation if 
you feel like you see a side of this person that nobody else sees. You may be in a Rory and Jess situation if you simultaneously feel like you have nothing in common with this person, but also everything in common with this person. Mm-hmm. You may be in a Rory and Jess situation if you feel like this person works to be a better version of themselves for you. Oh, it's so seductive. <laughs> You may be in a Rory and Jess situation if this person challenges you in a way that nobody has. Mm -hmm. And you may be in a Rory and Jess situation if you find yourself changing major behavior patterns to spend time with this person or sort Mm -hmm. of like shifting around your priorities. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she starts being like, where's Jess? When she's a... uh, when they're at Luke's, it's just so girl with a crush. Yeah. Or when she and Lane, uh, when she's talking to uh, Lorelai, she's like, I'm gonna go hang out with Lane uh, at Luke's. And Lorelai's like, you're going to Luke's? And I'm like, oh, this is classic girl with a crush. I know, you're just like coming up with reasons. The guy is. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. There's so much, there's so much. Okay. We're gonna start just like big picture and try to like define what is the Rory and Jess dynamic? If someone's mm-hmm. a Rory and Jess, what is it? And then let's talk about who real life Rory's are and real life Jess's are. Oh my God. Ah! Oh, okay. Oh my God. I like this. So I think the simplest way, not necessarily the best way, but the simplest way to understand this dynamic is good girl, bad boy, trope. You know, there's definitely more right. to it than that. Right. You know, I think that's what it looks like. And that's the easiest way to understand it in terms of their archetypes. But you know, I think at their core, they're really pretty similar. They just sort of outwardly yeah. present super differently. Like Jess is really smart and sensitive, but has not lived a life that allows him to express that. So instead he broods and fights and antagonizes versus Rory, who is, oh, also really smart and sensitive, but her mm-hmm. life has been such the opposite. So she is kind and she's open and she helps people. But when they come together, I think they see elements of themselves in each other that they haven't been able to explore yet. And that's really exciting. Ooh, and that's chemistry. Mm. Um, yeah, I think in broad strokes, it is kind of like falling for your first bat- bad boy because, you know, they're 17. And I think that that for sure is a pattern and a trope in a lot of, you know, TV, but also in a lot of our nonfictional lives is it's uh especially when we're younger is to kind of rebel and date this person that nobody else approves of but i don't think with rory i don't necessarily think that's the case because i don't think she dates jess to like intentionally rebel i don't think that that's what it's about i don't think there was a part of rory that was like i'm unhappy with the structure and the rules of my life and i want something completely different i think generally rory is pretty happy And it's not like this was her, you know, it's not falling for a bad boy in like a, he's going to put her on the back of his motorcycle and get her involved in drugs and like change her as a person. Jess has no desire to change Rory. And I don't think Rory has any desire to change or rebel. So I think you're right. It's, they see something in each other. I don't think it's falling for a bad boy. I think it's, I don't want to use the word like the first time you encounter a a soulmate because that feels really, you know, I think that word like. We can say twin flame. Have you heard of twin flames? Yes, but, but explain it a bit more. Twin flames. It's, it's like soulmates, but it, it, there's a lot of charge to it. So like Mm -hmm. soulmate, we culturally have given this like purely positive connotation, but twin flames can also really like challenge you and fuck you up too. But it is for whatever reason, just this soul or this person that you're really drawn to in good and bad ways. So I think we can, we can call them twin flames because I I don't think like she would have picked Jess out of a lineup necessarily, but I think she was like, Whoa, I see this person. 
So what I take from that is that I think this is for Rory, and I think maybe the Rory Jess is the first time you fall for somebody in spite of the circumstances, in spite of yourself, in spite of what you know what's best, in spite of who they are. So much of Rory knows she should not be falling for Jess. She's with Dean. He is a troublemaker. His mom doesn't approve. And he is nothing like the safe and reliable town and relationships relationship that she's known. Mm-hmm. But she can't shake her feelings for him and vice versa. Like, he probably shouldn't be falling for her either. She represents this town and this life and all these things that he hates. Uh, but their chemistry is so crazy and they see each other in this really unique way, despite all the reasons that they shouldn't. They just do. So I think that's what it is. And I think when we think about real life, or let's call them non-fictional Rory's and non-fictional Jesses, <laughs> NFRs and NFJs, <laughs> I think they really could be anyone because I think what it is, is the, this doesn't make sense, but I'm still attracted to you in spite of everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think like a non-fictional Rory, uh, totally hypothetically. I don't, I don't really know uh-uh. anyone. I don't really know anyone like this. It's crazy. Um, is someone who you know? I think there is something really scary about when things in your life seem too perfect. And I don't want to call mm-hmm. this the fear of success or the fear of happiness because I don't know that I think that's a real thing. But I think that like through whatever trauma responses we have or something, sometimes when things get too blissful there's this sense of like, oh, but is it real anymore? You know, and I think Mm -hmm. maybe her life got a little too Stepford, not on purpose, but things happened. Maybe she got like comfortable with Dean and comfortable with her life. And it had, I think realistically what happened is she had grown and expanded as much as that relationship at that time was going to let her. And so then I think this guy, this thing came along that didn't necessarily make any sense, but it she needed it to shake up her life. And so I think a non-fictional Rory is someone who needs that um, sort of wrench thrown in, in even if if things look perfect. Sometimes, sometimes even good things have to come to an end and change, not change for change's sake, but like change is hard, but is good. And and it develops you. And I I think, yeah, I think the non-fictional Rory's are like that friend, you know, that you're like, God, you're my friend and I love you, but I just wish something bad would happen to you just so you would have to live through it. So you would have to develop the tools to live through something hard because I think non-fictional Rory's are really risk adverse and they play it very safe and they've been in the same relationship for a long time and they don't want to change anything if it's up to them. So yeah, then a Jess comes along and it changes everything I think they could see my face they could see my soul leaving my body as I realized what a non-fictional <laughs> Rory I am oh my god literally you guys Megan what? wrote in her notes can I read this just because it's so good that what you wrote yeah you wrote yeah. a non-fictional Rory is going to be offered a joint and ask if she'll get addicted and it made me think of an exact <laughs> thing that happened um our freshman year of college I don't condone smoking cigarettes. I don't think you should do it. I don't do it. I think it's bad for you. However, Halloween, our um, freshman year of college, I was actually wearing my uniform that looked like Rory's. So funny enough, mm-hmm. a friend of ours pulled out a cigarette and started smoking it. And I was like, huh, can I have a drag of that? And she handed it to me and I took one drag and I handed it back to her and I said, cool, now I can say I've done it. And that's it. That's all I've ever done. And I just had to like check it off the list to say I'd done it. And I was like, 
that's that's a non-fictional Rory move. Anyway, so roasting myself. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think either of us are non-fictional Jesses. No. Um, but I do think non-fictional Jesses are pretty close to yeah. uh, to Jess. I think they're people who have never had a relationship that's meant anything to them. I think there's somebody that, quote, hates everyone. <laughs> uh, I think an early, a non-early 2000s Jess, like I think Jess now, if they were making the show now, Jess would have facial hair. Oh. Uh, just a little scruff, you know, but oh, I think yeah. he would still wear band shirts. He'd uh, still be he'd like still skinny wanna... lanky. He's not, he's not high school oh, yeah. by any means. No, no, no. He's not going to work out. You're not going to find him at a gym. You're not going to find him. Because that would imply caring. He can't care about anything. No. Or taking care of himself. Yeah, no. Um, he definitely has navy blue sheets. Uh, he has a lot of cereal for breakfast mm-hmm. um, with bowls just kind of like lying around. I still think uh, non-fictional dresses uh, definitely go to record shops. Uh, but I think they judge everybody in a record shop and what they're looking for. Uh, yeah. I think there's I think another I'll... quality I want to add to non-fictional dresses, which sounds mm-hmm. really specific. But I think it's more universal than it sounds. And and you'll you'll know what I mean when I say it. I think non-fictional Jesses speak in inside jokes with themselves. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like you there's yes. always that guy where he's like talking to you like he's got a secret. And you're like, what the mm-hmm. fuck are you talking about? Like, I think that's a very non-fictional Jess thing where it's like he almost is like having a quiet laugh at your expense. And you're like, right. What if you didn't? There's something about when Jess is talking to Rory in the car scene and he's like, well, Courtney, how about you? And I was like, that it was like almost designed to make yourself laugh because you're making fun of people who have intelligent conversations about people's goals and aspirations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's some bullshit a non-fictional Jess would play, uh, would do when if you ask them a serious question. Exactly. And it's very much, I mean, this is just actually a great plot point, but it's this is like a, a set piece moment of like, very indicative of when he does the whole thing with the chalk outline of the body. Like that's like, he doesn't do that for the credit. He doesn't want anyone to like, no, know. that's just for him to have a quiet chuckle at Taylor's expense. You know, yeah. that's it. It's just for him. I forgot about that. <laughs> I also, I know it's so good. I also think that it's this quality is particularly of early Jess. Like I actually don't know that mm-hmm. I would even call that a quality of later Jess once he totally. Does more of the work on himself. So I think that's pretty significant as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's a specific change when he comes to New York, when he goes to New York and then comes back. And then obviously there are changes later on that we won't get to today because, you know, as we know, he famously reads the book, Love. (laughs) Love! Love! So that leads to us. What do we feel like in this dynamic? What do we think generally works for us about the ship? What do we ship about it? So part of what I really like in the early days of the ship is actually something we see in the Luke and Lorelai ship as well. And we talked about it before, but I feel like they sort of have this like secret language. Like Mm -hmm. we see the world in the same way and nobody else does that kind of quality. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really exciting to find someone who just gets your brain. And it's really sort of alluring to feel like you have a secret with them in a crowd full of people, you know, right? like, oh, it's like us against the world, like to, to have a quiet or like private thought to yourself and then look across the room and see that someone else is having it too like that's Ugh. very lovely yeah yeah there's something very like palpably familiar about it's the Bracebridge dinner scene where Jess and Rory make eyes across the lobby and Dean sees it mm. and I was like oh 
akin to never mind i don't need to make this reference (laughs) there's a scene in girls where hannah watches jess jessa and adam make eye contact from like across balconies and like she sees it and she knows and i'm just seeing saying dean walked so that hannah horvath could (laughs) i mean honestly not no like there i would not put them in the same category of problematic tv characters yeah maybe that's maybe that's the crossover episode we need that's how we bring dean into a full episode sure um yeah it's funny because i generally sometimes i think us against the world relationships are fraught and problematic and generally if my friends were in one i don't know it depends on how you're seeing it i think there's a difference between like you're my partner against the world and fuck the world and i think this relationship could teeter into fuck the world if Jess let it but I think that's what's so great about Rory and the way that they balance each other at its core what I love about this relationship and particularly the timing of it and where they are at in their lives is that I think this relationship is expansive my friends and I talk about this all the time I think they are expanders for each other yeah I love that that phrase that you sort of coined yeah and I think like oh we all wanted to be Rory Gilmore growing up but now watching and and honestly knowing the whole arc of Rory Gilmore into uh, a year in the life there are things about Rory that I now find kind of obnoxious yeah like and she's 16 so whatever 17 but Rory is incredibly naive about people and about the world and about her goals and it is really hard for Rory to assert an opinion outside of her mother's it only happens as you were saying earlier in these like big spurts and I mean, I can relate. She's an Enneagram three, you know, she's got goals and she will achieve them. And she's on the path. She's on the conveyor belt, as they make reference to, even if she doesn't know it. <laughs> and Dean fits right into that narrative, that compare that conveyor belt. He adores her. He can hang out with her mom. He will follow her around all day, letting her do what she wants, even if he's not really all that happy about it. I think what Jess does for her is force her to be more in touch with what she actually wants and what she actually thinks. Yeah. And and part of it is like the intellectual matching, the that they can talk about books, that they can argue about authors, they can debate ideas. She doesn't have that with her mom or Lane. Not really. Like her mom and her and Lane share a lot of like pop cultural ideas, but not a lot in terms of like literature and philosophy and stuff like that. Yeah, because she, I mean, she, a lot of her early flirtationship with Dean is them exchanging books, but you see them disagree a lot. You know, she's like, you have to read Tolstoy. Like it's for the everyman. And he's like, I don't want to read Tolstoy. And he's like, you got to read Slaughterhouse-Five. Like they're just like not on the same page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think- her and Jess are more on the same page so that it is like her love language is books (laughs) it it really is and it's funny too I have a theory that they did something with the writing where I think they always knew that the guy who was going to get Rory was going to get her through books and there's something about early Dean writing that like they make him a little quicker and a little more I think culturally and academically aware than I think Dean ends up being by season Mm -hmm. three you know what I mean when he like gets the Rosemary's Baby reference and all this stuff where I'm like I think they change I I just feel like they changed their minds on yeah Dean to make Jess and they're like no 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 Jess is gonna be the one that matches her on this level like I don't even I wonder if they went back if they'd still make Dean read it all you're right it is different in the way that they do it but yeah we meet Dean in the pilot and we get a lot of that in the pilot and then don't see him again for like quite a few episodes 
or maybe like what, like maybe we see him in the first two and then whatever it is, like he's gone for a few and then he comes back. And I think part of it was like, so early in the show, they were establishing the tone in the world. And Mm -hmm. so like everyone's quippy and everyone's smart and everything's clever. And then I think as time went on, they were like, okay, cool. We've done that now. Now we have to figure out who serves what function in this story. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, I think, Kirk became a little bit more of a, a caricature. I can never say that word. I always say caricature, and I know that's not how that word goes. Um, and so did Taylor, and and like even Luke evolved. Like Luke kind of like became like Luke is very much more like almost sexy and confident early on, and then he becomes a little mm-hmm. bit more of this like caveman. And I think just because they helped, they started to figure out who's who in this story. So I think you're right. I think they started yeah. off. And Dean was just as clever as everyone else, and then they were like, what best serves the arc for these women oh him not being that yeah yeah that i i like that theory about it that makes a lot of sense to me but still because you know her and jess won't agree on the book like early on he's like oh she he's like oh you have to try faulkner and she gives him an author but then they do it for each other you know what i mean and they really give it a try and she calls him and they talk about it and that that still is different than dean so i think that they were able to like elevate it yeah so to bring it back to things i like ship about this i I think it's partially that they match each other intellectually. And then part of it is just like chemistry. And it's just like this attraction to him in spite of everything. She can't share with, she can't share with her mom that she, I forget what episode it is, but there's some event and she goes home and she calls Jess just kind of like randomly. And she can't share that with her because her mom doesn't approve. And so this is something that she does without her mom's approval kind of maybe for the first time yeah and every little decision that she makes bugging him about helping luke driving around instead of going back to doing homework going to new york to see him kissing him at suki's wedding aside from everything that she is and this is what we were saying about changing your behavior patterns for someone and like yes not all of these things are responsible or good moral things but aside from arguably the things she's done in school these are some of the first ever decisions that Rory Gilmore has made independent of her mother and her town. And the fact that she does it for this dude, I think is an important experience for her to have that is expansive and is also romantic. Mm-hmm. And, and that's nice to have. Right. Cause you don't ever want to be like, Oh, you know, she changed for a guy. That's so romantic, but it's right. not, it's more that like he inspired her to change for herself. Because mm-hmm. even like, honestly, if we wanted to go all the way back, we could argue that even the school stuff was because of her mom. Because her, I mean, Lorelai has this whole story about how she like bought Rory a Harvard sweatshirt and used it as a diaper. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Even all that like was sort of set on the path for her of like, don't be me, don't be me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think with well, with great intentions and obviously great, well, somewhat great results. <laughs> While the mistakes are part of it, that's also life. That's how life works. Ooh. Yeah. And he's not, neither of them are asking the other one to change. Like I said, she's not getting on the back of the motorcycle. He's not like, I'm so glad you brought uh, the motorcycles up again. Cause I thought this before when you mentioned it. So like when, I guess we are talking about Dean a lot, but Dean is part of this in the early days. So mm-hmm. when Royce first starts dating Dean, Lorelai is like, she's not getting on the back of your motorcycle. And he's like, I don't have a motorcycle. Oh and yeah. Then, and then like five episodes later, um, Christopher shows up for the first time on his motorcycle, his motorcycle. and he's like mm-hmm. oh it's a oh one blah 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 and Dean's like oh I've got an 86 Suzuki and I'm like liar 
Or like, oh. when did you buy a motorcycle? Like, it's just, I, noticed, I was like, that's weird. Liar! <laughs> and that's why we ain't, dude. <laughs> Jess wouldn't like Rory if she changed for him. Part right. of what he's so attracted to is that she is so uniquely herself from the moment he meets her in her room where she's like, no, I'm not going to get out of here with you. Like Suki made a lot of food. He bends. He, they, I think they evolve for each other. They don't change for each other. And that's that distinction is like really yeah. the difference for me is whether I ship it or not, because I think you're right. I don't want to change completely for somebody, but yeah. I think hopefully the the best people in our lives force us to evolve. So yeah. Like you can, you can help push me down my own track without yeah. pulling me onto your track. Totally. And I think Jess does that for her throughout their lives. But yeah. that's a conversation for another time. Okay, what do we not like? What do we not ship about this ship? What generally does not work for us? I already talked about this a little bit. But I just that quality I was talking about before of inside jokes with yourself. I fucking hate mm-hmm. it, man. I think it's the mm-hmm. rudest thing in the world. And maybe it's because I'm like, empathetic to a detriment like mm-hmm. uh, if someone in the in the room that I'm in is in a bad mood I will fall over like I I and that's on working on boundaries however uh-huh. this quality I'm particularly sensitive to because I'm like don't be a dick you know what I mean especially in a town full of mm-hmm. such nice people so what I think is different about the Rory and Jess dynamic versus the Luke and Lorelai that I was talking about is yes they have this common understanding and sort of secret language but while I feel like Luke is content to just live his life and he doesn't really care whether people understand him or not he'd honestly rather just be left alone I feel like yes particularly in the early seasons sort of gets off on being misunderstood and uses it to like antagonize people like look how cool Mm -hmm. I am I'm in on a joke that you'll never be and it's interesting that they're drawn to each other in the beginning and I'm I think part of the conflict comes from that too because I think that's something Rory can't get behind like you were saying of him wanting to ditch when Suki made all the food like while I think she loves having this connection with him, she can never get on board with making someone else feel stupid or insecure or less than. And it's actually yeah. hard for her, I think, to see someone she cares about do that. Yeah. And I think we see it in the long term, Rory's effect on Jess, that he does get over it. And she says it as early as when they're driving around the car together, where she's like, don't do that. Don't do the whole I'm misunderstood, Kurt Vonnegut, like, <laughs> thing. And she's like, whatever, whatever. She like mocks him, which again, is not a Rory Gilmore, like, mock someone. Choices. Yes, Alexis Liddell with the choices. Yeah, but I agree. I think that that kind of attitude and point of view on life generally, just is never something I can get behind in a non-fictional person. And it's never something I think any of my friends should get behind. Yeah. Um, and my, yeah, to add on to that, my things about Jess that I really don't like is that he engages in some pretty toxic behavior to win her over. And all of the rhetoric the internet has over Jess versus Dean over the years, Jess does not get enough shit for stealing the bracelet. And just all like of the general antagonizing he does before he goes to New York, um, but also a little bit after. And like, we'll get into this more in a moment. But I think when you like somebody who is with a partner, which we, we all have, yeah, we've you know, all I think been the, there. we've all done it. Like, you know, that's not the toxic part. But I think the most evolved and healthy thing to do is to put yourself out there without antagonizing them or their current partner and let them make the choice. But Jess is an asshole to Rory and Dean in the process, which is selfish behavior because it's not about her. It's not about making her, it's not about wooing her. 
it's just kind of about like being a dick about it. Yeah. I don't like it. I was gonna say like, even if he were acting in such a way that was anti Dean, if she's with Dean, he has to know that's anti Rory too at that time you know right. so it's just rude it's inconsiderate so let's get into we have some like either some specific little questions that we wanted to chat about today and the first for me is like this kind of period of Jess being jealous and antagonizing and stealing the bracelet and bidding on the basket like how do we feel about this and how do we truly forgive this if if we do, in fact, eventually forgive it. I mean, I agree with you, what you've just said before. I think it's truly the most backward, annoying, like patriarchal, pull your pigtails form of flirting. And it's so lame. Mm-hmm. And yet we are all a product of the world we were raised in. And so it's also fundamentally just a little bit attractive, which is so annoying. I, I think know. that's even why she like gets a little bit from the negging, which is just, it mm-hmm. sucks, you know, it just sucks. Like, oh, yeah, a great way to get the girl to like you is to make her life hell and force her to constantly defend herself to her boyfriend and all mm-hmm. the other people in her life. It's not smart. So, I mean, I don't think he was really thinking with his um, big boy brain there. But I think no, Jess no. definitely grows out of this. Thank God. I think that's probably the only way we can forgive it is that he does the work to grow and move past his trauma responses. Now, I mean, it takes a while and it doesn't excuse the fact that he did it at all. But it helps, I think. Yeah, you're right. And I think that's it's a one thing when you're doing this shit when you're 17. And I think that's generally why it's forgivable that he's 17. But this fucking adult men, and I'm sure everyone, but a lot of men still do this. And like, I've had guys be like, so you still with that lame boyfriend, uh, which is very akin to do you and Dean talk about this kind of stuff? And, <laughs> um, like, what about Dean? That's a live reading. Yeah, Rory, what about about Dean <laughs> that one that's in my uh, brain forever but I think you you had to find the line because I was gonna be like and that sucks but it's not true like it didn't just suck there was part of me that was like really enjoying that they brought this up at all but I think you have to find the line between I just think you're amazing and I think you could do better than him and and being an asshole about it because the former is like flirty and unfortunately kind of sexy and the latter causes rifts in your relationship as he does with the picnic baskets and making these comments like you have to force yourself to look at him but you can't help when your glance goes to me like that is selfish that's making her life harder and I think if you're doing that as a full ass adult it's not attractive behavior it's not a good look everyone take note not a good look um but speaking of attractive (laughs) something I wonder a lot in the Rory Jess dynamic on the show, but also just like in our non-fictional lives when we see kind of nice girl, bad boy or vice versa experiences play out. Mm -hmm. Do we think that there is something inherently attractive about liking somebody that nobody else thinks you should? I think there can be, but only if you know that you're right, if that makes sense. Like it's Mm -hmm. one thing to just be contrarian and be like, well, I like him. So there, but it's another to be like, no, you're all wrong. And I see the real person and the real person is good. And I can't wait for you all to see him too. You know, now Mm -hmm. I don't even necessarily think that that's super healthy either, but it's at least a little bit grounded in reality and, you know, well-intended in terms of seeing the best in people. Yeah. And I I, I see what you're saying, because that could very easily turn sour. And I think generally as a rule, especially as an adult, like if truly nobody think like at least with Rory she does have Luke Luke is like a good solid person that's like no I also don't think Jess is an asshole he's a good guy yeah 
he made sure she was safe, blah, blah, blah. But I think generally, like if everyone else thinks this person is not a great fit or is a bad person, then like, I think you should maybe listen to your friends. But it is fun to be the only person that somebody likes and to be the only person that somebody confides in the way that Rory is this person to Jess. Mm -hmm. Like she says something about, she's like, why are you only nice to me? And it is kind of attractive to be that person. Like I get it. And this is maybe work for my therapist who (laughs) calls me a fixer. Um, me too. But really, well, yeah, that that makes sense. We're to me. okay. Boundaries. I don't know. Sometimes it is like it does make you feel special, and it's kind of nice to have this project of like I'm one day I'm going to show you all what an amazing person this person can be. And I think sometimes it feels like you're being naive and being an idiot, and maybe even being taken advantage of or gaslit. But like you said, I think that if you are grounded and feel like you are thinking with your brain and your heart. I think when you have faith in a person, sometimes you have faith in a person for a reason. Yeah. And I think Rory has faith in Jess. Yeah. Good point. Uh, something that came up for me when I was in my rewatch is, is when Rory starts fucking up. Uh, so I'm curious for you, when you think, when does Rory truly start emotionally cheating on Dean when does it start to get shitty yeah it's tricky because there's so many moments that it like could be but I feel like for me it's always been the like tutoring night and car crash moment because on paper that might not necessarily be a bad thing you know I think it obviously turns into more than just tutoring and I think she's excited for that like Mm -hmm. okay this isn't always true but this is a general rule I have in life uh more often than not I feel like if you are embarrassed or ashamed of someone knowing something you're doing, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. So like, would she feel comfortable telling Dean she was tutoring Jess? Yeah, I think so. That's above board. That's something Luke asked her to do. That's legit. Uh, Maybe not great about it, but yeah. Would she feel comfortable telling Dean that she and Jess went for a joyride and quality time and ice cream and bonding? Not so much. And I think obviously, you know, that choice is taken out of her hands by circumstance. She doesn't get a choice to tell him or not. But still, you know, I'm not saying Dean is blameless in their relationship because obviously he's not. But still, I think it's this is the moment she starts to let her feelings go a little bit further than is technically okay. Yeah, I would even like if I was Dean's friend and I was watching this unfold, I would even say that it starts to happen earlier because I think that it's I think for me, it's the first time you lie about it. And the first time she lies to Dean about Jess is when she's at home studying and Jess, I love this moment. This is an act service moment. When Jess comes over with the care package that Luke sent over <laughs> and he kind of like forces himself into the night with her in Paris and they're talking about books and they're arguing and like that's such a nice thing to see too is like to see them do their thing even with Paris who yeah. we love. And then Dean comes over and like, listen, she had no control over that situation. Well, she did. She really, she could have asked him to leave and she kind of didn't. Um, And then Dean comes over and she freaks out about it and like needs Jess to leave and lies to Dean about Jess being there and says that he just dropped this off. And she says something like, if I was going to have anyone over tonight, it would have been you. And like, that's lying. Like that's, that's to me from her behavior terms from like an innocent crush. So you're kind of like flirting with the idea of two actually hurting somebody what's really tricky about that too as i'm listening to you describe it is you're right but i think also she's lying in that moment 
but I think she might also be lying to herself. So I'm not sure she could have done it yeah. differently. I think when she gets there and is caught in that moment, I think in her brain, she's like, no, this is true. And I think like deep down, mm-hmm. it's probably not, but surface level, she probably doesn't think she's lying. But I think you're right. Like that's mm-hmm. the moment where the truth of her experience becomes different than like what she thinks it is. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's also something about that scene where she does, she pushes him out the door mm-hmm. and she's like, and I was like, that is so teen girl flirting. It's also 28 year old Megan flirting, but <laughs> just the like, stop it, leave. And just like taking them by the shoulders and yeah. pushing them. I was like, look at her go. Look well, her there's something her. to be said for, I could write a whole thesis on this, but I think um, millennial culture is so inherently nostalgic. And so I think our generation will always have elements of like youthfulness in it. So like yeah. I don't think we're ever gonna outgrow that. <laughs> I no, hate to tell no, you. I'm always gonna be kind of a Rory Gilmore when I flirt. Yep, me too. Uh, um, so we've we've talked about it a bit, but I think we should just give two more to minutes. The dean of it say, all. To, to the dean of it all. To the dean of it all. And just like because Jess isn't perfect as we've discussed, but why are we in this triangle anti-dean? And why is our like as a culture, I feel like generally we're all anti-dean. There's so a lot what of dean slander. Theory? It's interesting yeah, because I've said this before, like I'm so pro Jared Padalecki and I think he, especially in that time, is just like so cute. Like what a slice. So I, in this rewatch, have been trying at every step of the way to be on board with Dean and he keeps mm-hmm. like fucking it up. Like there's so many things that I'm actually even experiencing anew this time where I'm like, oh, that was all Dean. Like, so I think one of the biggest problems with Dean is that he doesn't really see and love Rory for who she is, but rather for the idea of her. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's like my least favorite thing to happen. So I think that starts to come around early on in sort of the Donna Reed episode. And it comes up again with their first breakup. Like, okay, based on the I love you moment, like on paper, I used to think that it was kind of Rory's fault, that first breakup. And I feel like the writing wants us to think that. Like mm-hmm. that she's been emotionally stunted by her mom and her life and she can't express herself. But actually in rewatching it, I think she communicated herself so well and held space for his feelings while also respecting her own and maintaining her boundaries. And Dean was just like a big fat baby about it. He like threw a tantrum because she wasn't just the perfect little girlfriend he'd created in his head. And that's not mm-hmm. love. So I think when Jess comes along and he does see Rory for who she is, that makes it even more apparent that Dean does not. And while so many other things about Dean are wonderful on paper, I think it's hard to deny the appeal of someone who loves you rather than the fantasy. Totally. I remember feeling, even as a kid, so confused about why his reaction was it seems that big. disproportionate, like, yeah. I, I felt gaslit as a 13-year-old. <laughs> like, to be like, wait, she did everything right. Yeah, she was Um, so kind and honest and owned her. It just, it drove me crazy. So I think Dean has a lot of ideas about how things should be rather than how they are. Yeah, and I think you could argue that he does see her and know her. Uh, Remember when he is talking to Max Medina about how like, oh, when they do their bits, you just gotta (laughs) let them do their bits. And like, you're gonna say you don't want dessert, but oh, does Lorelai know your favorite ice cream? And he has memorized all of these things about her and knows her patterns, knows her lifestyle and knows how much coffee she's gonna order, blah, blah, blah. But again, I think A, all those things are pretty surface level and they are Rory and Stars Hollow. They are Rory and Lorelai. They really have nothing to do with the person she is becoming or her inner life or her future. And in fact, he kind of at some points shames her for 
wanting a future outside of Stars Hollow, yeah. um, which we can get into the whole like Dean and Luke and like they want more than this life conversation one day. But like Dean is a little bit bitter about Rory expanding outside of the Rory that at least he knows right now. Yeah. And if she gets more complicated or more intelligent than him or right, or she doesn't do exactly what he wants her to do, he gets frustrated and throws a tantrum and it becomes all her fault. Like even the Donna Reed thing, I'm like, she does this whole cute thing, but like, okay, I was prepared to like get my pitchfork and run Dean out of town because she does this whole display and puts on a thing for him because that's their first fight, whatever. And he like Mm -hmm. goes with it and has this whole dinner and dessert, whatever. And then at the like very end, he's like, you didn't have to do this. I like you the way you are. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a little too late. But yeah, yeah, just barely gets by. But I'm like, even that he like didn't really apologize for like, uh, he kind of does. But it's just the whole thing. Like, yeah, if you want to be Donna Reed, you can be Donna Reed. And if you want to be Donna Reed, the TV producer, which she finds out you can be that too. But we had to sort of like learn that lesson on our own through Rory, not through both of them learning it together. Exactly. And just fucking imagine if she'd done that to Jess. Jess would have showed up and be like, who the fuck are you? I know that this isn't who you are. Like, Take that off, and Jess would have been like, Donna Reed's a TV producer, too. So be that version of yourself. Yeah, you he would have known. You know what I mean? He would have known. Oh. Um, I put some time here for just any stray thoughts that we had. Uh, anything that came up in your rewatch that there's not really another time for that you wanted to bring up? Well, when I was looking at YouTube videos, mm-hmm. I it was funny because I was looking. I just wanted to rewatch their first kiss to, like, really get into the dynamics of it. Yes. And... Mm-hmm. You had a good description of the kiss in there, so I will let you say this part. But I found another kiss, too, that was like, I actually don't even really remember when it happens, but he's sort of standing in the street, and she comes up, and he's holding the cigarette, and she's like, are you going to smoke that or mind meld with it? And they, like, kiss for a while, and then she's like, mm-hmm. I gotta go. And he's like, mm-hmm. what? And she's like, it's more fun this way. It's mystery. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I, I, I want more of this in the future, but for now, I gotta go do you understand? And he's like, not at all. And she sort of like goes and it's very odd and mysterious. But I also just like it for them. Like it's very of their early energy. And it's very like, quippy. But also, I I just think in as much as like, I am attracted to Dean, she has so much more chemistry with Jess than she ever had with Dean. And that's what this whole scene is about is just their chemistry. So it's very like, palpable. And she's so like, you know what I mean? She's more of a woman when she's doing this. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's not like a girl getting kissed by her boyfriend. Like she's taking control of the situation. And that's what I love about their first kiss too. Yeah. First of all, just underrated first kiss on TV. Agreed. I, I'm like, we're not talking about it enough, but we would be the ones to talk about it. Like it's not us as a culture. Like Let's, we, start, it's the on us. Let's start the conversation about this is an underrated first kiss. Um <laughs> Because first of all, he shows up out of nowhere. It's a it's a happy surprise. I guess we as audience know that he's in town. Um, but he just kind of shows up. And then I love that she kisses him. She is the one to do it, which is huge for her growth. Mm-hmm. And there's something in rewatching it that she sort of like swoops. Like it's almost like she's gonna pick him up like a child. She like <laughs> puts her arms under his armpits. Yeah, because I think and, his like, arms are crossed. Yeah, or that they're at least by his side, but yeah. she just like, like, 
puts her fingers in there, like gets all up under the. And I was like, what an interesting choice for probably the first time that Rory Gilmore has ever initiated a dramatic kiss. That's really funny. Also, there's yeah. something to be said for I don't know if it's it's kind of a chicken or egg situation, but it's always nice when you get to have a big romantic moment, like in a fancy dress or like at a yeah. fancy occasion. And I don't know if it's you know chicken or egg, like oh, or do you? Do you have romance on the brain and and the you know the guts do it because you're at a wedding or mm-hmm. did you oh, how does that work? I guess that's it. I found the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's the egg. <laughs> it's the egg. <laughs> We're really oh. getting to the bottom of things here. But also, and I've talked about this recently, uh, just on Twitter and then just in my real life almost every single day that there is something about season finale energy and like this is literally in the season finale but also like Rory's going through all these changes like she might win the election she had just gone done the thing where she like goes to New York and then to see Jess and then comes back like she's questioning all these things in her life and then this is kind of this like culmination of it so I think sometimes also when things are changing and we're questioning things we're more prone to do big dramatic things because who knows that we abandon the plan. That's true. Off the conveyor belt. <laughs> uh, Katie, do you have any personal experience with uh, Rory Jess situation or non-fictional Rory's or non-fictional Jess's? So Is this kind of. for you in any personal way? Tell I me. feel like <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. Um, I feel like I've def- I've had Dean. Um, mm. but I feel like I've had Jess's less than that, like other people didn't like them and more in that I like, couldn't explain it to myself. Uh, there've been people who I've just been so like attracted to, or like had the weird mind connection that I've, I myself to myself have been like, why, you know what I mean? Like people mm. that I know that I wouldn't pick out of a lineup and I'm like, and yet the heart wants what it wants. Or whatever, like there's no accounting for chemistry or twin flame energy or whatever. So I've had that. Like, I don't know that I've so much had people weighing in one way or another on that, but Mm -hmm. myself where I'm like, wait, that's not how I thought this was going to go. And then you just do sort of have to ride the horse in the direction it's going. You kind of have to just be like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm not going to ignore all of these feelings I'm having. So I guess I just have to embrace them. And I definitely, I mean, I've talked about about this on here before too. Like I've definitely been in that position of sort of lying to myself about it, which Mm -hmm. again, I also like who could blame Rory because I can't look back and blame myself for that either. Because sometimes you're in a shitty situation where, where to acknowledge all of those feelings isn't going to make things any better. So what else is there to do but try to maintain the status quo, you know? Yeah. That being said, I think my connection to this, because yeah, I like as a kid, you know, as a teenager, never connected. I never had like a bad boy in my life. And personally, I just think we're all so much more emotionally aware than everybody on this show. So yeah. it's hard to kind of <laughs> truly relate. But I think my most recent relationship to it and rewatching where I was like, oh is that I think I was somebody's Jess like I not because I like lurked around and fixed their sprinkler you don't really have a lot of lurking energy I'll be honest no very rarely I'm a very loud presence (laughs) um and I'm also very articulate I'm not just gonna I'm almost almost overly communicative of my feelings I'm not just gonna mutter then there's something I gotta take care of and then walk away after someone's confessed their feelings on a bridge (laughs) 
But I think I was someone's Jess a bit because simply because and truly only because in no other way am I Jess, but because I was somebody, I wasn't the safe option uh-huh. for somebody. I was the person with the chemistry. I was the expander. And I would like to think that this person was Rory in that I would like to think they are lying to themselves. And so when Rory is in that <laughs> lazy, crazy, hazy days of summer episode, <laughs> when Rory kind of comes clean to Ro- Lorelai about everything and she's like, you got to choose. And she's like, uh, Ro- Lorelai comes back and is like, is there still Dean? And she goes, there's still Dean. I don't know what I was thinking. Dean is so great and he loves me so much and he's so good to me. And I was like, but you don't want to be with him. And then I was like, Rory, you're such a fucking baby. Grow the fuck up and stop making fear-based decisions. And then I realized I was taking my own personal trauma out on Rory. That's okay. So, That's what it's here for. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's why the podcast exists. Um, you know, I'm trying to have empathy for people who don't totally know what they want, or at least are not are lying to themselves about what they want. But it's like, it kind of made me be like, I don't know, sometimes I get some of Jess's decisions of like, when he's like, you have to force yourself to look at him, but you can't help when your glance goes to me. Sometimes People need these things spelled out for them. What's coming up for me now too that I'm thinking about that's just hard and I actually don't even know that I have a lot of wisdom on it is I'm thinking like, okay, well, what causes people to be in that position of lying to themselves? And it's like, man, it it's hard to do what you want or act in such a way that is what you want if you know that that's also going to hurt some people. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just don't, that's hard. That's hard. That's really hard. You know, so it's yeah. easier to maintain the status quo than like, you know, if she, she would know if she were to embrace her feelings for Jess, it's going to hurt Dean. It might a little bit hurt mm-hmm. her mom. It might a little bit hurt the town. It might a little bit hurt her reputation. Like there's a lot in yeah. there. So I don't have a lot of wisdom on it. I'm just, it's being a person is not easy. Oh, Katie, I think it's time for uh, uh, all aboard. Which is the moment where we share the specific moment of this ship that we got on board with them. What is the moment for you that you love about the ship? Because I am a creature of habit. It is. I love when Jess is talking to Luke after the car crash and he's like, I made sure she was okay. Like amidst all the Mm -hmm. chaos and all the drama that he just like desperately needs Luke to know that he would never do anything to purposefully put Rory in danger and that he cares about her so deeply just kills me i love it you know i love a worried about the moment i know i should have known that that would be your moment (laughs) um i'm gonna sneakily kind of do two uh i because in re-watching because i re-watched just like the jess arc so i started with the jess's first appearance and in that first episode at the end of the episode God, I love that he steals her book and writes his notes in the margins. That, like, that is so romantic. Yep. That is so sexy. Like, he as, to do that as a teenager, like, as an adult, if someone did that for a second, I'd be like, you stole my fucking book? And then I was like, what book would it be for me? I'm like, looking at my, oh my God, yeah. room. If someone wrote notes in the, in the margins of, like, Tidy Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed, forget <laughs> it. I am yours. And then I'm, thinking about it too. I'm like wait if someone wrote notes in like twilight i actually wouldn't enjoy that because i'd be like get the fuck out 
Um, but I think maybe if they read quotes in like, I like to watch, I'd be like, oh, you like critical thinking about television? Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Or I have like Big Magic here by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. Like if someone wrote their notes on like the power of manifestation <laughs> or something, yeah. I'd be like, hot. But also I see um, what you're saying about Jess because it's like, okay, wait, for a 17-year-old boy, for his first flirting move to be, hey, let me voluntarily share my thoughts with you. Yeah. Unheard of. <laughs> And then at the end where he gives it back to her is I think it's the first time we see just like the level of this chemistry and we see the twin flames because she's like, okay, Dodger. And he walks away and he's like, Dodger. And she goes, figure it out. Which again, for Rory Gilmore, very flirty, very forward. But like, honestly, like Lorelai energy. I think the actual moment that I'm like, this ship works is right before your moment when they are driving in the car and they have this we talk about this a lot, but in a comedy and especially in Gilmore Girls, scenes are not long. Scenes are very, very short. Yeah. If you actually look at like the chunks of the dialogue, they're short scenes. This is a long scene. This is a four and a half ish minute scene. And they're in the car. And like, I, as I said earlier, she's like calling them out on um, being a Kurt Vonnegut and being misunderstood. And then it's, it's he just like so high school and flirty. They're like, oh, it's so much better in cones. And they talk about her future in a very real way when he's like, so Courtney, how about you? And I've never seen her do that with Dean. And like, Jess says something about like, oh, wow, you're gonna be an international correspondent. That's pretty hardcore. I just like, can't see you doing that. And to be fair, which like, maybe that's nagging, maybe that's not great. But to be fair, he's right. Because we know Rory at this point. Yeah. And she kind of questions it probably for the first time, because this is probably the first time that anybody with any kind of worldly experience outside of Stars Hollow is seriously talking to her about it in a way that's not just like babying her. And he takes her seriously as a person. He's like, no, 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 you'll do it. I promise. And then he was like, tomorrow, I'll help you practice tomorrow. I'll run up to you in the middle of this and scream at you in a foreign language. (laughs) And then she's like, that would require you to know a foreign language. And he's like, well, isn't it lucky I got me a tutor, which is so cute. And then what I, the, but the main thing that I love is that at the end of the scene, he's like, so if I go straight, we'll be going back to Luke's and she goes great sense of direction. But if I make a right, then we'll just be driving around for a while. And she goes, make a right. And I think the make a right moment in everybody's romantic course is a big moment. And it's big for Rory because nobody else wants her to make a right. Nobody else would support her making a right. But this is a decision that Rory makes on her own. It's an independent decision, whether it's the right one or not, it is her choice and he gives it to her. He doesn't just make the right turn and keep driving around. And that's the evolution of Jess actually kind of getting better for her. I was going to say in this moment, he is a consent king. I I would not dare say always call him a consent Mm -hmm. king, but in this moment, yes, he is. Right, which we'll get into more yeah. next episode. DVD. Um, but let's end the episode, you know, the way we always do, uh. with the age-old question, do you ship it? Mm. At the end of the day, ultimately, early, Rory and Jess, the early years, do you ship it? I first saw a really excellent meme that I think I sent to you, but I, I found it again. And it was like a spelling lesson, and it was like, canon, B-A-N-N-O-N, a thing on ship that that um shoots bombs canon c-a-n-o-n the things that are recognized as part of the story in a work of fiction and then someone commented yeah but they both sink ships and i was like oh my god 
So is this ship going down? I 50-50, hot take. Um, early Rory and Jess, it is a 50-50 for me. I do ship it in that I think it absolutely needed to happen for both of them. They needed this relationship mm-hmm. to grow and expand and grow up. But at the same time, this relationship as it is right now, as of what we've talked about thus far, would never last. They both also had so much more growing to do that needed to happen apart. So I don't ship it in the long term. However, when we check back in later and Jess has grown up so much and so is Rory, but to be honest, a lot of her growth happens way, way later. Uh, then yes, mm. ultimately they are my OTP for each other. Sorry to Dean. Sorry to Logan. Sorry to the Wookiee. <laughs> well, maybe my opinion is actually your opinion. I was going to say I ship them before they get together, but <laughs> once they're actually together, they suck. Yeah. But uh, that's probably telling in that maybe I just like the idea of Rory and Jess and the execution is not so much. <laughs> but again, I, I ship it because it needed to happen. Yeah. They needed to, they both needed to evolve. But like watching it as a teenager, I wanted them together so badly. It's why it's one of my favorite parts to rewatch. And it's why they shoot Kilmore's Don't They? The Dance Marathon episode is my favorite episode because you get to watch it actually happen. Oh my God, I know. Um, the tension. The tension, and then uh, this is the, this to me is when Alexis Bledel actually becomes a great actor is in this episode because you watch her process it, and it's like subtle and painful. And then they have the scene on the bridge, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once they are actually together, like <laughs> turns out Jess has a lot to work through, and so does Rory. But I totally ship Rory having this experience. She needed to leave Dean. She needed to assert her independence from all the other things she had known. She needed her ass kicked a little bit and to be called out on her bullshit. Yeah. And she needed to get kissed better. Mm. And we'll talk more, Rory, just next episode um, <laughs> and all my thoughts about when they're actually together. Uh, but she needed to learn how to smooch. And he did that. Or did Milo do that? That's Ooh. the real question. Or are they one in the same? something to think about (laughs) anyways we will have a follow-up rory and jess episode coming soon not necessarily next week but in the next coming weeks so look out for that i've got a new meantime i got a new la 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 that i want to know i want you to finish it do let's do it la 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 that's a good one. Katie, in the meantime, where can people find you on social media if they want to hear your thoughts? People can find me on the Instagram at Katie underscore bud, like your buddy, your pal, and on both TikTok and Twitter at Katie Butterwith. I don't tweet a lot, but I do tick the talk a lot. She ticks the talk. And for this episode specifically, Katie's got a lot of TV specific content. Oh, so his it is for the fans. Yeah. Uh, and you can find me at only Megan Fitz. You can find the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And we will see you back in Stars Hollow in a couple weeks. We just have to reroute over somewhere else briefly Ooh. before we go back to Stars Hollow. Bye. <laughs>